The following ideas the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. Oh man, we are back. We are back in action, and this is probably gonna be the greatest call of all time because my co-host, Braden James, is gonna be served a plate of I told you so. He has no idea what's coming. I've kind of teased it out. We've had a lot of text messages this morning. I'll give you a hint. It has stuff to do with AI and chat GPT, but man, oh man, are we going to take two different sides of this argument? And then man, oh man, are we just going to jump straight into me being right? So anyway, things. <laughs> hey, before we get there, back. before we get there, can we give a shout out to note to car, our assistant who is going to record. <laughs> <laughs> that is part of the, uh, no, I'm going to get into it. I, uh, uploaded it good. to this call for a specific well, reason thank you note to car for all of your hard efforts and work uh that is our new <laughs> assistant who is here to transcribe all of our all of our uh videos yeah he's from dubai so <laughs> keep in mind okay, uh, be cultural culturally sensitive anyway so i'm going to jump into this uh the ai chat gpt but we'll save that as the meat and you were about to go down that's why we started the call of the top five i don't know how many rules you now have when you start to evaluate is this business worth my time getting into so mm. huge thing when you're an investor when you're working dc you're working pe i don't care right huge when you just need to figure out is this good or not so Braden, go ahead and go oh nice yeah no i i only want to cover two there's there's actually several that i have written down but there's two that are kind of the most important um and these are lessons learned from experience not from books or anything it's just like stupid things i've gotten myself involved with uh the first is the most important which is if somebody comes to you with an idea that just seems like a no-brainer and it's going to make a ton of money um well for starters just assume they're overconfident. Um, but most of the time they are just salesmen and it's going to end in a lawsuit. Mm. Here's what happens, man. This is what happens. And, and I've, I've written a lot on this is, is greedy people are the best salesmen. Like they are the ones who can make huh. anything sound phenomenal. And here's what they do is they sell to other greedy people. And so what you get is a train of greedy people led by the blind on its way to nowhere and greedy people love nothing more than lawsuits whenever they don't make money. Um, and so wow. that, that's experience on a, f I, I've been on a few of those trains because I have in a past life, uh, I, I don't know, a year ago, been one of these greedy people who was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, this is a no brainer. I'm totally going to make a ton of money on this. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's where that goes. So that's rule number one, right? Um, it sounds too good to be true. Like if they can't give you pitfalls and exactly where these things go wrong, they're overconfident. Um, if they're like, mm. no, this is a no brainer. It's so easy. Uh, can, you I, see this? can I interrupt right there? Yeah. Go for that it. was a very good point. It is my new, just win every sales deal negotiation tactic where I, I've heard a bunch of people on a podcast say this or bring this up and I've read it too. If you just straight up like in a negotiation, 
say, all right, so here's everything and here's why you should do it. Okay, great. Here's why you shouldn't do it. Yeah. And you list everything out. Here are those pitfalls. Here is the reason you shouldn't do the deal. Here is everything else. And then that's like on the very, or it's, you know, an initial call that you have, maybe past the introduction, but you're like getting into the meat. Just do it as fast as you can. And then if people are like, we get it, right? Like, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Example, I work with this company, super small company, but very good, right? Team size under 10. And we work with tons of enterprises that are massive, 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 like tens, hundreds of millions of dollars per year. And they like, okay, so tell us how big you are. And we say, hey, that was one of our pitfalls. We told you this on the first call. We're under 10 people, but that means that you have full attention to what we're doing, right? So you get the extreme customer service treatment, blah, blah, blah. So that's the spin is like, Hey, these, you list out the pitfalls, but you leave it at that. But when it comes back up, you say, but it allows us to do this, right? So we can be better. That's good. And that's good sales. I tend to leave that. Yeah. It's like, it's like the sign of an expert, right? Um, So whenever we were doing the play and abandonment bids, we brought in an expert to help us on the actual, like, you know, doing the, doing the actual pouring the concrete in the hole. And he had done it before. And and we were kind of interviewing him and he was giving us every reason why this was a stupid idea and it was absolutely going to go wrong. And he gave us three companies that he had been a part of and known that had failed because whatever had gone wrong. And we were like, you know what? You're hired because it showed like you're an expert. Like that's, that's how you show you're an expert. Um, yeah. So I love the spin on it. Most of the time it's just like, Hey, um, you know, the spin is I'm an expert because I can sit here and tell you everything that's going to go wrong. Um, and mm-hmm. I actually look at that whenever I'm reviewing deals. Um, uh, I, I won't, you know, I don't want to expose them because they're going to fix it. I'm helping them fix it, but there was a, no, yeah, no names, a real that's estate type deal that came through to me very recently. Um, and it was a development deal and they price it out. It was a tw- like a $25 million development deal. And they had $500,000 left over as working capital after all the development costs were paid. And I was like, guys, if one month, if you exceed one month past development schedule, all of your working capital is gone. Like it shows yeah. that you don't know what you're doing whenever you aren't planning for things to go not according to plan. And I was like, go ahead yeah. and go ahead and bump that by another 5 million. Uh, <laughs> you don't look like an idiot. Uh, you know, to other people. So that's number one. Number two uh, is a little bit simpler, but, and we've talked about this. I believe every deal needs to have the financing, the operator and the edge. Um, and, and my favorite example of this is like two people can be working in a town trying to sell some real estate, some land. Uh, person A is just a silver tongued salesman, uh, went out, found all kinds of people that wanted to sell their land and is ready to just come and, and throw land in your face and get you to buy something from him. Uh, person yeah. is not even a salesman, but he's lived in the town his whole life. He knows that there is an underground aquifer that runs from the north to the south and that the whole town is running on water wells. He also knows that in the center of town, agriculture is starting to suck up all the water from the stream and south of town is going to have no water in the very near future. And he comes to you and says, I know all this information. You need to buy land on the north side of town 
because all the people living on the South aren't going to have water and they're going to try and move North. That guy has an edge, whereas person A does not have an edge. And so you always got to look for that. The deal doesn't have an edge. Just don't do it. And if you're not sure, just don't do it. And (laughs) (laughs) have you, uh, have you read the book black edge? I haven't. That's interesting. Sounds like a poker book, man. No, you need to read it immediately. First off, it's about Steve Cohen, one of the biggest hedge fund guys in the world. He just bought the New York Mets baseball team. Um, giant POS human being, in my sure. opinion. But it's all about finding that edge in the trades that you're doing, right? And then you develop a firm and, and a culture in the firm where it's like, you got to find these trades. So you're finding a legal insider information. You're making trades upon that and all this stuff. And then that's what you know, his firm got busted for doing. And then he's like, man, that really sucks. And probably dozens of people lost their careers and just tanked from it. And he was like, ah, oh, that's awful. Let me pay a big amount of money to the SEC and all these regulatory people as a fine. And then I have to, you know, say I'm sorry in a piece of paper. And then I'm just going to start a brand new firm, <laughs> which is what he did. As they did. And he's fine. Yeah, the exact just, same thing Bernie Madoff did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, but the book is really good because it does break down like, hey, you can find an edge and it doesn't have to be illegal, right? There are ways and it's super cool and great analysis to figure those things out. But then there are ways where it's like, oh, you got this because you were sleeping with the CFO or something. Yeah. yeah. And well, let's talk about, an, I mean, there's a few other trading edges. Let's talk about the trading edge of the RIA that we talked to a few days ago. Uh, remember this guy, he said that he made a bunch of money in these accounts, uh, trading banks. And it was because yeah. he was an investment banker for Texas banks in a former life. And then he just knew, he just knew the industry. Yeah. That's an edge. That's an edge where he's just like, I've worked with every single one of these awesome. people to invest, you know, uh, yeah. good for him. He made his money that way. So, yeah. Um, it's good. There are other edges too, where it's like, Hey, I see this in this completely, you know, older setup system operations industry, and you could start doing X, Y, Z. And then that's a huge edge because nobody else is thinking about business development or changing things up that way. I just don't too. know. Yeah. People just don't know. And so that, that's yeah. an edge. And I'm sure you have an edge with whatever AI thing you're going to throw at me here shortly. But before we get into that, I want to talk about where edges fail. Um, and it's failure. This is a failure from uh, last week's podcast, I believe, maybe the week before. Uh, not really a failure because I didn't take any action on it, but I claimed that I was in the process of taking action on it. And this is why you should always do some diligence. Um, Brookfield Asset Management also Brookfield Corporation. A few weeks ago, maybe last week, I mentioned that uh, while analyzing 13 Fs, there was a bunch of investors who had filed 13 Fs and had new, as of Q4, new acquisitions of Brookfield Corporation. A lot of them. Like I'm talking, there had to have been out of the maybe 25 big time hedge fund, you know, private investors that I looked into, I think 14 or 15 of them had this had this listed brand new in Q4. Really? 
I was like, oh yeah, I'm all in on this. This is great. I need to go check this out. So I start running numbers. Corporation looks fine relative to other competitors. It's down big. I think I remember you said you looked at it and you're like, oh yeah, they got in at Q4, 7% below where, where it was, you know, you could get in. Uh, yeah. On December 9th, 2022, this is, this is in the deep in the deep in the old 10 Ks. Uh, December 9th, 2022, BAM had a split off into uh, Brookfield Corporation and Brookfield Asset Management where they split off and there was a value realization where one company became two and the two were greater than the sum of their parts. But that's why it was tricky. I thought an edge was, okay, I can look at people's 13S and see what they're acquiring, see if there's patterns. A pattern arose, had I checked on that or had I gone on that edge and gone all in, without doing the diligence, I would have never known that actually those were all new issues because they all owned BAM before and they were just playing some bigger play that had already played out. You know, they had already gotten their value out of it. And that was Mm. the new new acquisition was because they just distributed new shares in the corporation. New shares. Uh So you brought that up on a call we had too, where you're like, oh, I'm looking in Brookfield. Have you? <laughs> I was like, I that was like, yeah, because I needed to sound like I was doing some kind of research on something other than energy fuels. Uh, <laughs> and that was not the first yeah. time somebody had made a joke about, uh, I talked about talking about you, 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 you. And they were like, me, 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 me. And I was like, yeah, that's funny. Good. Bad ticker. You like that? Yeah. yeah. No, it, it can. Possibly. It bad hits. Too. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah. So, but this is where I want to take the conversations because it's great pivot of what edumacate. I've already told you. Huh? I said educate me. All right. So let's imagine, right? This doesn't exist, but I'm going to paint this picture, right? And then I want you to try to refute that it's not valuable. Okay. Picture being able to take as many files, data, whatever you can. And you just upload it onto a landing page. You basically give everything that you want in terms of, hey, I need to read this 10K or I need to look at these earnings report or there are these CNBC articles about this company. Oh, these analysts at Goldman said this about this company, everything, right? You can get a super easy way to just upload all that information into this website. This website then has to take some time. Let's just call it five, 10 minutes, but it basically has thousands of articles or PDFs or whatever that it can just use as its own database, okay? Then you can start to ask this website using AI, chat GPT or just GPT-4 and whatever versions that we can come up with, everything that you want to know about that company. You could do it in a way where you can say, hey, I need you to figure out the edge. What does this company have that other companies have? And this can come from freaking transcripts of the earnings call that you know the CEO or founder started talking to everybody about. And then it can compile that information, put it out to you, you can read it, and then you can make your own analysis of, is this a company worth investing in, okay? This style of using AI and ChatGPT is called like vector embedding. And I'm trying to paint the picture of like, it's not here just yet, but they're already able to start this process of 
oh, here's everything that I care about in my world and my job and career. What if I just pushed it all into something and then I was able to get the correct information back out and then use that for my own advantage and my job? Go. Yeah. Uh, first off, vector embedding is here. That exists. I know. I know it is. Yeah. Yes. So- I'm just saying like, to the extent of like a super easy way to just upload documents and everything else. It's great. It all makes sense. It's perfect. But what you miss is that there is a skew of the inputter on the data you input. Okay. Um, sure. So are you familiar with the failure of AI with detecting skin cancers? Are you familiar with this? No. Story? Okay. So there's a story about AI detecting skin cancers. And what they did was they fed, fed it millions and millions of pictures, healthy skin, healthy moles, cancerous moles, all of that. Okay. And they did it and it was like, oh, wow, this can be super accurate. It's really working. And then they noticed a very big flaw. The computer had learned that a ruler in the picture meant cancer. That was the embedded vector it developed. Because more of the pictures that had skin cancer in it included a ruler to check the size of the cancer than healthy skin. Mm. It is a issue of the inputs that creates problems. And so what I, what I try and, and explain when it comes to AI is like, it's not actually thinking or learning on its own, much like even a baby's not really thinking and learning on its own. Its parents are providing inputs that skew it in a certain direction. And so there is, yeah. this is why we are so far away from a artificial general intelligence, right? Uh, or, or something like that. And so it's only as good as its inputs as, as any model really is like, that's kind of the theory of computation. So uh, it's going to be, that would be freaking awesome. It would, it really would be awesome. But if you give the computer inputs that skew it in a certain direction, that tells you what the best investment in the world is going to be your inputs. Oh, no. Okay. So that right there is why I love that point. Um, You're exactly right. The inputs itself won't be like a completely game-changing thing where you're right, super legit artificial intelligence that can like, quote unquote, think on its own. What I see as more than valuable is and take it with a grain of salt cloning myself i can turn something into get all these documents and spit out things that i know that fit into yes an investment philosophy or strategy that i can personally take and then I make the investment decisions with, meaning if I had a AI tool that. that I could just yes. upload everything into, but you right? believe in and I start, right. yes. yes, and then I formulate that investment. That's what I'm saying. But it takes, you know, you don't have to go hire, see if you don't have to hire all these analysts or anyone else anymore. You can literally just start using AI to take over everything. And then you ask it questions, you get the information back out, the answers, right? As if you're talking to your head analyst. Which is you. As if you're talking to yourself. Which is then me. 
which is then, yes, it's cloning myself to know and do it as if I had to go read tens of thousands of 10 Ks and earnings and everything. Right. That, that is what blows my mind because if I, if I could, and I'm not saying I'm not infallible, like I'm not like Mike, I'm never going to be perfect on all investments or anything like that. But if I can edit and tweak and grow my own investment strategy, I'm not saying that I would be perfect. I would just say that changes everything. Yeah. And then I could do a million X the amount of work that I'm doing right now. Absolutely. That's huge. That is valuable. And that is good leverage. And what you do too is here's the one thing that you know that the computer doesn't is that all rules are meant to be broken. And so you, the, your best bet, especially if you're super active, is to have it tracking you at all times. Because anytime you do something that it wouldn't expect, it needs to update its model, right? That's how these things really update is whenever things that they don't expect come into place, they sort that and, and equate that into their own vector space, if you will. Um, yeah. That adds that in. And so, but yeah, a lot of that is just asking with- for the information that it's going to spit out, right? I'm going to ask it certain questions and then it'll learn what I'm asking, which is to your point, your inputs and the prompts and everything else constantly keep training it. And therefore it's skewed. Like it can't come up with its own investment thesis and philosophy. It is always going to be somewhat or a mirror of yours. I love this. And to me, I don't care. I that's love okay. that. That's that's valuable because it does give you time to go do what you want to do outside of that. And something is still working in the background the way you would work with the probability, slim probability that something will come up that it hasn't seen before and it will break. Um, not the worst in the world, but there is that probability, right? That's That's all you risk. What do you mean it'll break? What would break? So... Um, this is why, okay, okay. Let's take a step back real fast. Um, complexity theory, um, intractable problems, P versus NP kind of stuff that I attended at in our text messages. Did you take a look at P versus NP at all, by the way? Did you Google it? No, I've been on literally back-to-back calls. I'll Google it right now. This is computer science, mathematical problems, um, that are, that are very, very, very theoretical. Um, ignoring the P versus NP problem, really what I wanted to get to was intractable problems, which are problems that cannot be solved computationally in the time that the universe has existed. Um, they just, they, they, they fundamentally are not solvable computationally. Okay. Um, those are complex problems right now. I believe they make strides to it all the time, but weather is one of them predicting the weather. Uh, the problem with predicting the weather is that there's an error term at each moment in time that they make a prediction. And that error term can compound over time. And like the butterfly flapping its wings, right, create something crazy over, you know, down the way. They cannot predict the weather sure. with any degree of accuracy that's, that's valuable to humanity past a few days, right? You, you look at the weather app and it's like, oh, it's supposed to rain in three days. And then it pushes back three days later or whatever, right? That's, that is a complex problem. So one of the big complex problems that exists is economics and markets. Um, because there are so many butterfly flapping its wings events. So here's an example. You train a AI to be you. 
and it's trading just like you for a span of five years and it's doing great because things are normal. Things are fine. 9-11 happens. It wigs out. It's never seen this data before. Has never seen something like that happen before. Goes, goes. This is why. So in complex environments where you can't, you can't give a machine all the data for it to know an answer because data is recreating itself out there unknowingly to the person collecting the data, right? Like there's, there's these systems that exist like this that make it impossible. And it's, and it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's all the time, right? On it's it's like step functions. There's a long, steady amount of time where it's like this thing works great, but something you can guarantee. This is Nassim Taleb's black swan theory, right? You can guarantee something will happen at some point in the future that is super low probability that will drive everything nuts. Um, yeah, and so that's that's what makes it really hard. Now let's let's take a step back from that for a second and talk about putting yourself in a computer. Because this is something that you should read about. Um, for those that don't know, I was a uh, I, I, I debated on the national circuit in high school, um, traveled around doing Lincoln Douglas debate, uh, and there was this very famous case prom king debate argument. Yeah, this debate argument that a guy had run that I copied and ran all the time, and it was based off of this science fiction, but also like very kind of a uh, futuristic, like physically possible reality um, of this idea called the Omega point. And the idea of the Omega point was that universes, um, you know, start off from a cone. It was like, oh, there's a big bang, start off from a cone. And then time contracts and entropy contracts and they go back into a cone, a point. And the idea was humans will never live that long. But in the future, humans will create information technology and computers that are so powerful that they will live forever by implanting themselves and their thought processes into the computers. And the computers theoretically could last all the way to the omega point. And and all of the information that has ever existed in the universe will exist in some final computer that rides its way into some omega point where the universe completely collapses on itself. And it was very interesting. But what you talked about is, is that, is that right? It's like, can you implant, can, can Connor implant himself into a machine? And theoretically someday the answer is yeah. But even Connor gets so, by 9-11. It, it is true. And I think you're taking it to the complete, maybe not even the complete edge of the spectrum. But, you know, what Elon and Stephen Hawking and these others that see, you know, the dangers of AI and AI weapons and what it could be, and it's not there yet, and that's fine. But it's also, it was compared to, like, the introduction of the internet, right? So what AI is really starting to do is provide a ton of new ideas and then businesses that can come out. And I think the introduction of the internet is close. Like, I think it's, it's close, but it's not there yet. doesn't mean that it can be like the internet was just massive and it changed everything about humanity. Um, 
this is feeling more right now in terms of like the iPhone and app store that all of these companies and ideas and tools can be created using this new technology that would be essentially extremely effective for continuing to grow things. And that's the stage that it's at right now, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to take over and transform everything else like the internet did. I think it'll just get exploded similar to what the internet had, but you can't use, you know, AI and everything else without internet capabilities. Right. I think it's just another inflection point altogether. I think it is too. But, I think that it's going to have the same pitfalls though. I'm not scared of that. So man, this is my inherent irreverence for people who basically pundits and talking heads. Um, I don't know why I have that irreverence and I'm only 30. I can't wait to see what I'm like at 75. I'm going to have complete disregard for anybody. Uh, it's going to be great. When did you turn 30? Uh, 29, whatever. Same thing. Um, same, same thing. Same thing. Uh, but, but like, I think that, I think that those arguments from Ewan and them are disingenuous and that they're really creating these like extremist arguments because those touch on people's emotions and make, people who don't understand what's going on freak out really the problems with AI in my mind, the actual concerns that exist today are very much like the internet, which is extreme information overload and disinformation and and cybersecurity threat. Those are the two things that the internet mm. brought us where all of a sudden the nuclear codes could be hacked maybe. Right. Or, or something, you know, like, or like, you know, people's identities could be hacked or whatever. Um, that is now 100x more probable. Like AI is absolutely going to help, you know, criminals do things online or, or through techn technological products that, yeah. that they, that yeah. they can do before. Um, and then the information overload, man. Uh, I would argue that, while a lot of good things have come from the internet, the worst thing that's come from it is that people have too much information. So they do too much, too much absorbing and too little processing. And that is also going to 100 X flow out. And because of that, people believe, I mean, you believe the strength, you, you see the strange thing people believe on the internet that is like, how could you possibly think that's true? Um, or like even be worried about that. And Specifically, bricks. Can we talk about bricks in a minute? Uh, but anyway, that's a um, bricks. What do you mean, bricks? Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. But that's so like that misinformation and that fear mongering and stuff is also going to get one hundred times worse because because an AI is going to tell somebody instead of them having to go Google and find it, an AI is going to tell them, and they automatically assume the AI is smarter than them, and they're like, oh, yep, AI told me, so it's true. Um, you know, it's using what's on the internet and. We've, we've, we've not only forgotten that you should not believe what's on the internet, right? That rule of the nineties, um, don't believe everything you read on the internet, but now we have like said, okay, now we have some godlike figure that can just tell us we don't even have to look for it and we can believe him. So I think those are the true yeah. parts and I think that they just blow up, right? I think Elon Musk just blows up all the other ones because of it, but then you have the benefits like what you talked about. Yeah. Same thing as the internet, which is like the benefits are society gets to flourish, new jobs are created, new ideas, 
you know, the quality of life can go up. So it's when it's, it's, I mean, everything has a trade-off. What comes in must yeah. bring, must bring hell too. So. Um, if it does start to dramatically in, you know, improve a ton of inefficiencies, that's just better overall. Um, but I just like it because of what you can use and then grow. There's a lot of this, you know, podcast is about is, you know, how do you grow and build wealth, right? I'm a firm believer that if you have, you know, $100, $1,000 to your name and you're really like, oh, man, how do I get rich quick, right? Do I spend $50 of that on this day traders online course and then I spend the rest of it just trying to figure out how to do day trading? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't think that's it. I don't think even using not anymore. A great, not anymore. Not even using like a great investment technique or finding if you could put your thousand dollars into the best in hedge fund of all time, even that would be good, but it's not going to be as good as actually creating something of value yourself. So not using money to create more money, but using money, resources, time build something that then creates value because then that ownership of that thing and the entity and the business will be much better than just trying to constantly keep flipping thing after thing after thing. So that's my point of saying AI is going to do that. AI is going to make it so much easier for people to create businesses and products that then they own. And then if they sell it, to a Microsoft or Google or, you know, whatever, like that has value that is going to get what you put in and then just exponentially explode into right. something else entirely. And I think, I so, think even better is like, and we're reaching the point and I've talked with several people on this. We're like, jobs aren't going to matter. And, and like getting rich isn't, isn't going to be like hard, but you should still be doing something that you enjoy that you feel fulfilled about or like that you like. Right. So, so I could go get six W2 jobs and do exactly what you just talked about. Right. I can go get a bookkeeper job tomorrow and train the AI to do exactly what Braden does in bookkeeping. And I can step away and the AI can do it all the time. And I'm getting paid, but the AI is just doing it. I can go repeat that in seven different fields and I can get all the money I want. But at the end of the day, it's like, what am I, what am I going to do that I have fun doing that I like that I enjoy day to day? Everybody's got to have some, some kind of job. Right. So um, that's what people need to think about. And then they can just do AI to go make money. I mean, you're exactly right. Is go copy yourself in businesses that are tedious and boring. Well, yeah, but using AI to improve whatever you enjoy doing right now, like you and I are both into investing and what that can look like, but that's what I'm saying. It can explode into. Um, and then you just, you just keep reading, researching, editing, tweaking everything. And then you blow it up. Right. So like Mark Cuban to hit on that point, he has a really good story. I don't know the exact specific details, but he says like, Hey, I started my first company with $8,000. I don't know if he had some other investors or whatever, but he, it was basically him as like the main guy and it was streaming radio or music and stuff on the internet, which 
hadn't really been done before. And then that exploded because the internet became a thing. And he's like, everybody enjoys sports. If I could just, you know, broadcast the Chicago Cubs game in Miami on this website, that's huge. And then he did it. Um, and that was, wasn't a thing, right? And then he sold that for $2.4 billion or something, like in a very short amount of time. So $8,000 and maybe some other investments, but into multi-billion right there. And it's because he used the internet, a tool to like create the product and then business, et cetera. And then he just keeps repeating that. So I'm not a Mark Cuban fan at all, mainly because I hate the Dallas Mavericks. But I mean, that right there is what I see. We're going to have the next Mark Cuban probably within a couple of years, easily just from AI stuff. And then rinse, repeat. Unfortunately, it was all hype. And then that company lost all of its users and Yahoo ended up falling like crazy because it was right in the middle of 2001 uh, and the internet craze. So, I mean, it was right timing, but right now is right timing for AI. So you're exactly right. Like this is the wild west where people are going to get away with products. People may use, people may not use them. They may work, they may not work, but it's time to go sell it. So, but yeah, and then it's like, what I mean by, so the other thing is like, I like investing for the process of investing, right? And there's this story about when computers came out of a really old writer and he always wrote by hand and people kept trying to convince him. They were like, you can write so much faster if you just use a computer. It's so much easier to just type it up. It's so much easier to edit it. And his response was, you know, I can write faster, but I can't write better. Like it's the same product just because you can do it faster doesn't make it better. And it's just, you know, he kind of explained his, he did it because he loved it, not because he wanted to produce 50 more books or whatever. It was like, he liked the process of it. And so, you know, I don't think I'll ever use AI for investing uh, mostly because it's like, I enjoy the process. And so everybody needs to find that thing that they enjoy the process of, and then just use yeah. AI to automate everything else around them. That's like, that's what needs to happen in AI. And if they do that, great. Then they're in. That's the, that's the, yeah. so, um, anyway, do you want to, uh, in this with bricks for all of those people worried about bricks? I know we got listeners who are worried about bricks. Are you talking about bricks of cocaine or what are you talking oh, about? Man. No, man. This is B R I C S. The downfall of the dollar. This is all over. Um, I think it's probably all over oh, the yeah. news. Um, right. The dollar is going to die. BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, Saudi Arabia. They've all come together to yeah. create their own, you know, unified currency. Um, this is something where people have been overloaded with information and they've done absolutely zero processing because. <laughs> Absolutely nobody has looked at bricks and talked to nobody has talked to me about bricks, has looked at it as the exact same thing as the EU and the euro, because that's exactly what it is. It is a economic yeah. unifying group of countries. Now, here's the difference between the euro and bricks is well, I mean, it's not really a huge difference. This I would say actually it's more of a similarity than anything. Bricks. 
you have Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Let's talk about those four because those four are some of the most selfish, self-centered governments that are all about enriching themselves first. When you put those four in a room, vote on the best interest of a group, what is the probability that they are not going to vote on their own best interest? Compare that with the Euro, Germany, France versus Greece and people like that. Euro sucks because they cannot make decisions because Germany says, I don't want to bail out Greece. They're stupid. We're smart. We don't like them. We're not, we're not going to issue new Euro bonds to help bail them out of things. The Euro sucks because of that. BRICS is going to destroy itself internally. And everybody thinks that it's so powerful because they're such crazy countries and they're such big economies. And it's like, nah, same thing as the Euro. It's going to be just as crappy, if not more crappy. They're going to suck. I think it's going to be that to an extension of they all just fall onto China. I think China is going to be the... Just like everybody in the Euro falls to Germany. Biggest. Yeah. But they just like China will dictate everything within that group. So if it is best for China, then that's what will happen with every decision. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Can do its own thing. We haven't used kilometers ever in the U S and I think we're fine. (laughs) I love that. Yes, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. I love that. That made you laugh. That's good. That's good. Um, But yeah, no, essentially it's, it's just another EU. I, I haven't done enough reading. I don't want to give a full opinion, but I read one simple thing on it. And I don't know. I, I could dig more into it. My first take was like, oh, I don't care. But um, who knows? Maybe I should be more fearful and I'll do some more reading and figure it out. You're shaking your head now. Perfect. You should not be more fearful. Yeah, I think I'm good. Note to Carr, can you please <laughs> note that Connor should not be more filtered, more more fearful. <laughs> uh buddy. Yeah. So anyway, let's end with note to car. Um, I spell note taker as one word in a rush. And honestly, I think that's fine. <laughs> but this and we'll, this is the plug for the entire call. If you heard nothing else, this is what you need to listen to. And it's why I'm bullish on AI. This is called grain. I think you can just go to grain.com and it's a note-taking app that you can plug into all of your Zoom calls or anything else, any virtual call. And it just takes all these notes. And not only takes the notes, but then AI reads that as immediate input and creates a summarization. And then it breaks that summarization down into more bullet points. So you get the entire call recorded, you can get highlights, right there for people that are trying to get clips and short form content and anything else. Right. And then it all puts it together. And I think it's like $19 a month. If you like want the paid plan, right. It's so good. And I've already used it just uh, less than five times, but every single result has been perfect. And I think it to me is just beyond anything that I thought. Because, you know, going into this and taking notes for the podcast and re-listening to stuff, that's great. Or I could just pay $19 a month and get that time back in my life. And it takes a handful of minutes to just 
put it all together. Less than an hour. And it's time so Giving huh? people their time back. That's the power of AI. Yeah. But that's also the power to the old man shaking his fist at the sky that didn't want to use a computer to write stuff. It's like, hey, dude, we can give you more of your time back. Right. Or, I mean, you can continue to just use eight hours a day to write the one paper that you want. It's so totally up likes. to you. Yeah. That's it's your process. Mm-hmm. It is It is what you like. But you all hate your family life, but all and all life. your relationships. All the things that he doesn't like in life can now be sped up so that he has more time to do that. Right. Like hanging out with his wife. His wife was probably like, hey, what if we like had a date night or something? And he's like, no, I'm okay. swamped with work. Have you seen <laughs> Have you seen the new South Park episode with Chat Bullshit. No. Oh, it's beautiful because it's exactly what you're talking about. They start using chat GPT to text their girlfriends. So they don't even text their girlfriends, chat GPT. (laughs) It's like, it's exactly right. It's like, he can just sit there and write and his wife can text him. And it's just automated GPT, GPT response. It's so That's a good product. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, if you added that into, um, let's just say you're that lazy. If you added that into like, you know, you can do the pop-up on iMessage. You can add a picture or a GIF and all oh, these yeah, like yeah, other yeah. things. Yeah. And even emojis like had this app. But if you created that, so it fit in to like you could just click this and it'll look at your message history and the last reply, and then it'll just generate a response and then you just click send. Holy crap, I would use the heck out of that. Go watch South Park because it's hilarious. Yeah, there's there's some downfalls with it. I bet you there's um oh what do I need to do? There's uh there's this product that I just saw where instead of like hey Siri, you can do hey chat GPT or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then it has all these plugins, so you could start being like, Hey, what emails do I have that I haven't responded to? And it just like auto audibly gives it to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then you could be like, great, uh, generate response to Brandon that says this, generate something to David that says this, and then it says it, and it's like, you ready to send? Kind of like, hey, Siri does. But it'll like do it in a very formalized manner, right? Yep. I don't know. But I feel like all you're doing with AI and ChatGPT is just giving yourself more time back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So- Use it wisely. Do what you love with it. Yeah. I love this a lot, man. Uh, markets wise, we didn't even cover this. And we'll get to our best part of the segment or show, which is the segment of Q&A. Um, markets are up 6% almost since uh, <laughs> bank runs. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird, man. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. Don't know if I trust it. I did see a note from somebody that Nancy Pelosi has sold all of her stocks. She took the total calculation, I think was over $2 million in capital losses, but she just fire sold everything. So if Nancy Pelosi is any, this was about six days ago. If she's any indication of what's going to happen to stocks, there it is. When did she sell everything? Six days ago. It was reported on the day she actually sold. Yes. Or the day after one of those. Yeah. I'll go try was and just for that. taking, was it just for taking losses in the middle of March? I don't think so. Well, you know, when you have to, you know, I guess you can't do it for your 22, 2022 returns. Mm-mm. 
So she took like a $700,000 loss on her, on her Tesla stock. She took like a $500,000 loss. I think on like NVIDIA $250,000 loss or something like that on Roblox. Um, Well, you know why people may do that is they were told by their CPA, Hey, here's what you owe. (laughs) And they're like, Oh my God. Uh, And so they, yeah. What to pay taxes. Well, yeah, they, they're told, you know, in the I time love your faith. Like, I love your faith that politicians pay taxes. That's beautiful. Good for you. <laughs> That's so true. Hey, speaking of scumbags, here's an interesting stat, too. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you read the most recent Warren Buffett annual letter, um, but he did. No, Chad GBT gave me the summary. He did some statistics on the last uh, 10 years of taxes. Um and for like total taxes that the treasury has collected and Berkshire Hathaway has paid 0.1% of all taxes paid to the treasury in the last 10 years. And the summary was basically like had just 1000 other companies paid the same amount of taxes as Berkshire Hathaway. Nobody in America would have had to pay a single cent of income tax. Um, so that's how many taxes wow. that dude pays. That dude pays fat tax bills. Uh, all time yeah sounds like his you know accounting firm needs to step it up it sounds terrible well he's he's like notorious for not cheating taxes like he's notorious for being like rich people should pay their taxes rich companies should pay their taxes uh it's like he does it in a humble brag way like his his whole thought process is like i was given a gift to make a lot of money in a world that's a capitalist society in the time that i was born and because sure. my skill set is way better than everybody else's at making money at this time and age, I deserve to pay more money to social causes to those whom were not given skill sets. And he's like, if I was born in the jungle a thousand years ago, I would be dead because I'm not fast. But the fast guy who can't make money in a capitalist system deserves my money today because I can't, you know, he can't make money. So it really is a humble brag where he's just like, I am so good at what I do. Bro, just put an office in the Netherlands and Dublin, Ireland, like Apple does, and get around all your taxes that way. Yeah. But you're right. Like, he's he's doing a good job to make sure it goes back into the system. But that is if he believes in the system and he's like, oh, the tax dollars will go to these things. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. Um, Anyway, why don't we... In with this, and then a question from Lucy, all the way out in Alberta, Canada. Love that. Um, Braden, you're going to love this question. Lucy asks explicitly, hey, guys, super big fan of the show. Really want to hear from Braden's perspective um, what he believes will be the next wave of, quote, unquote, fear news concerning the market. I think she's referring to, hey, we had bank runs or something just passed. Uh, before that, it was, man, inflation, everything is just terrible. We get interest rate hikes constantly. Braden, do you think you can predict that next one <laughs> to your news? And what is it? Because you uh, believe the market's going down 25%. The like first said, question but- is no, there's no way I can predict the next fear news. Uh, those are probably pretty tough to get. I think the next fear news is already on the precipice. I think it will be a uh, civil war fear news. 
You think because Donny J is indicted. Hiding in Florida, Florida's like, we're not going to send you Donny J. And New York's like, we want Donny J from you. And they're like, <laughs> no, uh, that's going to turn aggressive. So I think that's what I think. Civil War. That's the next. That's good. Stops, this should down just be on, a... stops down on threat of civil war. That's a very bold prediction. I don't think the word civil war will get used because of a lot of negative connotations that it has, but I think there will be, it's just going to be drama. Yeah. Is what I'll call it. I don't think it'll be drama that would have a macroeconomic factor to it, but I think it'll be drama. And your, your bet is what is your call? With Donnie J or just bad no, news? No, yeah, who cares about Donnie J? Just what is the next bad news to kill the market? Um, it's going to be more fallout from the stupid low interest rate environment. I think we're going to see countries that went crazy with their yeah. management and investments and you're not going to see banks fail. You're going to see countries repeat like what Greece did. And that is going to come to light in the next eight months. That's happened very many times. That. that has happened many times. And that's totally possible. Totally possible. Yeah. Because if you're like, oh, I put my money in these safe government bonds. And then the government's like, Ooh. it went bye-bye. Because inflation's 38%. Then... I don't think it's going to be, it depends on the country that it happens to, right? Because there's got to be, there's countries where inflation hitting 30% every so often happens, right? Yeah. And and there's also, I mean, those bonds aren't safe, right? I mean, there's, there's bonds of South American country bonds that are like, like when interest rates were low, were like 16% interest, right? And now they're probably like 40% interest. And they're going to be like, hey, our bonds are up. We need to refinance. And the market's going to be like, great, you need to pay us 40%. And they're going to be like, we can't pay 40%. And the market's going to be like, we're not giving you the money. Then you need to owe, you owe us money on the bonds. We're not going to let you refinance. And they're going to be like, we're not paying you. And then that's how the, <laughs> that's how the international defaults happen. That's actually not a rare event. That, that I think that if I'm actually thinking probability, that has a very high probability of happening soon. That's that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. So you heard it here first. Uh, good call. So for you, everybody for me, into for me my, my call's good too, right, Connor? Note to Carr agrees with me. He says it's a good call. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, AI. man, Donnie J, that's going to blow up. Yeah. 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 Hey, if Donnie J was an Avenger, which side of the Civil War and the Avengers would he be on? Would it be Team Captain America or Iron Man? This is the biggest question we've asked all pod. Holy crap. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That is a good question. Uh, let's see. Ah, man, Captain America is very patriotic, but there's something yep. about Iron Man that Donnie J is going to be like, yep. I dig you. This is, this is, this is important. This is important. Um, man, I think. I who does he. Yeah, what brand does he align himself with most? That is that is tough. I think he aligns himself with Iron Man. I see him as a team Iron Man. 
Oh, okay. You seen this team Cap America? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Legacy. He realizes he will be way more remembered for being, quote-unquote, the Patriot and becoming president than he will be for generating any amount of wealth. Mm -hmm. And I think to him, he's like, that's what I care about more, is my ego and legacy. Yeah, so I think he chooses Captain I, America, I, I, but I do not, I do not like choose it as like an adamant to a fault because he could totally do Iron Man. If anyone in li- reporters listening to this asks Donnie J questions, ask him that. This next is the time. question, Donnie J. Oh my god, Civil War That's started. Which side? Which side is Captain America and which side is Iron Man? That is. Ugh. That's the question of the decade. Wow, wow. I, that note to Car. That that keep that one as an important point. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you as always. Text us 737-210-3054. I think it's five four. Yeah, I should have it memorized. But right. yep, appreciate the questions. And we're out. Mm-hmm.